you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Brooke Bowen, an OCR athlete and a busy working mom. We had a great discussion about around why she transitioned recently from elite to age group, what her training looks like, as well as injuries she dealt with and how she has overcome them and also what she does to decrease her risk of injury going forward. I think many of you can pull some great information from this as she incorporates this schedule she has for her training into her busy life. So let's tune in. Brooke, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. You are quite welcome. I'm excited um, to get you on because you are a competitor, but at the same point in time, you are the mom and the working mom. And so you have this all going for you. It's not like you are necessarily like a professional athlete that that's all you do is train. You have a life to live as well. So um, I'm excited to talk to you to talk about your training, how everything that's involved to be a competitive athlete, but also be a functional human in the daily life as well. So um, let's just tell the people a little bit about you, your kids, what you do for work, um, kind of what your day looks like. Yeah, so I have three kids, a 12, 10, and 7-year-old, and I'm also a hairdresser, so I have my own studio where I work, and um, it's luckily only five minutes from home, so I'm able to be back and forth sometimes. I work about 20 hours a week, um, juggling through the day and with my husband. This is the first time I'm able to leave my kids alone while I go to work. So I'm trying not to do long hours of that. But <laughs> yeah. I get that done. And then I get my training done usually in the morning so that that's over and I can get my responsibilities, work, home life, everything else done later. Awesome. So how much time a week do you spend training? I know every day varies a little bit, but overall, like how much time would you say you spend during the week? The last uh, few weeks, it's been about 12 hours a week of training. And then in the evenings, I do some yoga, stretching, foam rolling. Okay, awesome. um, So in the gym itself, about 12 hours as far as what you're spending on technique, strength, endurance, all that stuff. So the majority really is running just because I think once you're competitive in Spartan racing and can do the obstacles, um, running speed is really what's going to matter most. So that's the majority of my training. So a lot of it is um, out and about, but I am in the gym about three times a week still. Okay. A couple hours. Awesome. And most of your, you do a mix of trail and road so you get the hills in there and have time have the ability to get the speed in there as well yes some of everything (laughs) a lot of it's heart rate based or effort based awesome so we talked about a little bit about your competitive background as far as um kind of your progress through spartan you were an elite athlete you recently went to age group i just kind of shared that story as far as what how that whole, how elite was for you and that why you transitioned to age group. Okay. Yeah. So when I started racing, 
uh, I did, you know, my first couple races were in the open category and I found myself frustrated that people were, uh, skipping obstacles or not doing <laughs> things or it, it just wasn't feeling as competitive. And so I thought I wanted to be more competitive. So that's why I signed up for elite, even though at the time that I started, I really didn't think I was a fast runner. Didn't think I would be able to keep up with them. But I, the first one I did, I came in half middle of the pack. So I thought, okay, yeah, I do belong here. And that's when I got a coach and started really training harder. And so at that time, uh, three years ago, there was just elite or open. So I did elite and I really loved it. I, um, my first year I was able to get my coin for the world championship. Was so proud of that. I did pretty well. I got one top 10 finish. Um, and then just kept doing that and improving the next couple years I did. Um, I even had some other top tens, but the majority of the time I was about 15th for the big races, maybe 25th to 30th. So it just um, wasn't seeing a huge improvement in my placing. And I, I would find myself frustrated that, that maybe there were racers I had beat, but because they raced a, a different race one time, they podiumed and I didn't get that. And I thought I could still keep fighting for it. But I think turning 40 and where it, there used to be a master's category and something I had thought I would be able to do is, hey, I could make money. I could earn races. I could do these things if I was a master's athlete and able to podium. So I think turning 40 was a good opportunity to try age group and go for a podium and fight for a win instead of kind of settling into the elite pack that I had been doing. And so this year has been the first time I've done three races so far, and they were all age group, so 40 to 44 category. And um, fortunate enough to win all three of those. And it's felt really rewarding. Um, because it's like all that accumulated effort that I've put in for years and I finally maybe get something out of it, you know, even instead of just the satisfactory, um, it's like, hey, look, I did win something. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cool to see how many people in age group, in open, in whatever, are just trying so hard and some of them don't even get the opportunity to to get on a podium and so I definitely um, feel so grateful that I'm able to have that but I've also been wanting to you know try to get some sponsors and things and I think having a podium picture um, some first place results on my resume uh, is helping with that and even if it's age group so 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 far it's been good I have um, a big goal this year to get on the podium at the North American Championship and World Championship. So um, I think that's part of why I decided to drop into age group. I thought if I could do well in a national race uh, in my age group, that I would feel really good about that. Um, 
because looking back at my times last year in elite, if I just compared my elite time to the age group time, a lot of the races I would have won. So I thought, well, do I want to do it if it looks like I can win? You know, I mean, because in some ways, like, where do you belong? And I, I know I fought uh, with some people about this that said, no, you are an elite racer. You have to stay an elite, you know. But uh, I just kept being frustrated, you know, without feeling like I was progressing. So I think it's been good. In fact, it's lit a fire, like I said. I've had something to train for that I want to win. So it's what I'm going for right now. I think it's a hard decision to make. Um, there's a friend of mine, he was a week and a half ago at a race. He raced elite, was 14th, and he was looking at the score, looking at the age group. He's like, I would have been second. Like, I would have been on the podium if I would have raced age group. And so it is a tough, like, if, when you're middle of the pack elites, like, you want to compete against those people, but at the same time, you want a podium as well. And it's like, where do you go? Exactly. That's it's Yeah, it's been hard but I like where I'm doing it this year. And I don't, I don't know if I'll stay there though. I haven't said, okay, this is it. This is where I'm staying. You know, maybe I'll try elite again sometime. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How many more races do you have this year? I have three, unless I add in some fun ones, but this year I'm kind of focusing just on some specific races and trying to uh, just get my training in instead of worrying about, oh, race week and, you know, do I want to be rested and tapered, whatever, and that anxiety that comes with racing sometimes. But yeah, I have Utah, West Virginia, and Tahoe. Nice. That's my goal. There you go. What's your favorite distance? <laughs> it changes. I would say super. Um, I think my favorite favorite is a sprint. I love just going all out. And I feel like I can push harder knowing that I don't have to push that hard that long. <laughs> but um, there's no forgiveness in a sprint, you know, and not until this year, I, I haven't been able to do clean races. So if you fail anything, you're dropping points. You know, I've lost an elite podium because I missed the spear or, you know, thing, but that's an obstacle course race. I mean, I think there's no excuses when, Oh, if, if only I could have done this or that, I would have done that. And, and that's just, you know, obstacle course racing and results is what matters. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I think, I mean, I'm a sprinter. I love that. But the super is more rewarding because you have to grind harder. harder. And, I, and I guess the beast would be even more rewarding than that besides that it just hurts too long for me to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Legit. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, I think that's a good segue into talking about mindset a little bit as far as that pushing to do hard obvious like I like to use the word the phrase embrace the suck like it's awful but you just have to drain through it what kind of I don't know if, like what goes through your head is the best way to put it but like what makes you push harder when you do feel horrible when you feel like you want to stop yeah so there's a few tricks I've learned and one is that I lie to myself because um something I totally believe 
is that your energy goes where your mind goes. And I've seen that happen so many times where if I start getting negative, it will just downward spiral and I keep getting more and more negative thoughts. So even if I'm hurting, um, not doing well, I have to tell myself that there is more energy in my body, that there's more in there, that I'm strong. I've done it before. I can do it again. Um, and then also focusing on being grateful makes a huge difference. So if I've just been suffering or whatever, if I look around and it's beautiful, I'm like, look how cool this is. And my body's so strong that I'm able to even be out here, you know? And so focusing on, on that makes a huge difference. But, um, recently I kind of did a test with one of the races that I did where I wanted to push myself a little harder than I'd done before, because if you've bonked, you just hate that feeling where just being out. I hate that feeling of, okay, I'm finishing dead, you know, or have nothing left. I can't move because I've already left it all out there. But, um, I was kind of playing around with like, okay, nutrition, my mindset, different things. I'm going to just test the limits. So this last race, I felt like I pushed a lot harder than I normally do from the beginning. A lot of times I like to conserve or whatever, but it paid off because yeah, it hurt, but I kept being able to tell myself, you know, that there was more in there and I could keep going and, and it, it worked. So mind is huge. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And it's so true as far as you let that one negative thought get in. I actually just wrote a post on this recently, but you let that one negative thought get in and it's just a downhill spiral of uh, yeah. everything else, of energy, of your actions, of how fast you move. And yes, it's, it drains you quickly. So I, I try to shut those down as quick as I can. Um, or turn it into, like you said, embracing the suck, you know, like, yeah, that hurts. That's okay. I'm stronger than that. Or I could, I've gotten through it before or, you know, just saying it's okay. Yeah. Just curious. Do you do better racing as far as if you know, someone's chasing you or if you're chasing them? I do better if I know someone's chasing me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I already know that. I know a lot of people like to look at a target and try to get that. For me, uh, I do better knowing I'm being chased. So I do better leading, which is, again, maybe a good reason I like being in the age group because <laughs> I, they're chasing you. I, most people are chasing me, whereas like elite, you only see who's ahead of you. And, and I'm not even thinking about that behind me. So. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Let's talk your injuries a little bit. Um, you've been through a number of them. Yes. <laughs> um, let's specifically talk about the knee one. Cause I think that's the most beneficial for the audience to hear as far as what you went through there, how you avoided surgery and all of that. So, um, kind of talk about that whole story. Yeah. So, um, it was really when my knee was the worst was 2016 after Tahoe. In fact, it started hurting so bad. The last mile or two of Lake Tahoe running down the mountain, there was just like 
felt like a knife in my knees. And I just said, okay, I have to just keep going. So I finished the race, but um, I mean, really couldn't walk for a while after that. And even a couple of days later, there was a couple of times I couldn't put any pressure on my leg. Um, but I just kept trying to rest it and ice it and do different things. And it was not improving a ton. So I went and saw an orthopedic who recommended that we go in, uh, surgery, clean out some loose cartilage and, and whatever else, uh, was causing some pain in there. So I scheduled that. Luckily I scheduled it. Uh, the soonest was like six weeks out or something. So within that time, I started doing physical therapy. Well, I continued doing physical therapy because I had been doing some of that before I saw him as well. But um, a lot of hip exercises, a lot of uh, different things that they recommended. And I was doing it twice a day, um, different things. And my knee actually got better, started improving. So a few weeks later, I called the surgeon and asked, you know, if I needed to I still come in or if I should cancel. And they said, no, absolutely cancel. If it's improving at all, you know, let's not mess with it. So I kept doing my therapy and really was able to heal it completely where I didn't have any pain. And every once in a while, I get some flare-ups from my knees, kind of both of them. And so I'll do those physical therapy exercises and it, it gets better really within days sometimes. So, um, I am a huge believer in what we can do with, uh, physical therapy exercises, icing, rolling, different, different things to heal our bodies. Um, because injuries are so frustrating, but after I've had so many, it's, I've realized they heal, you know, our bodies heal. We have to just let them. And sometimes it's a painful process to move through an injury and you have to move it or do things, but it will heal if you do that. And that's it. That's, and what, that's why I wanted you to point out there is you have to be patient with it, but so many people want the, or cause so many people want the quick fix, jumping into surgery just to fix this pain, thinking it will solve all the problems. Um, but a lot of times that's not what's going to solve the problem. It's just, it's actually, like you've learned, it's retraining the body how to move right. It's strengthening it. And a lot of times if you don't do that, the issue is just going to, some other issue is just going to come up down the road again because your body's still not retrained properly. Right. Yeah. So what do you do now? Obviously, we can't prevent everything. Injuries happen. Life happens. Ankle sprains happen. <laughs> like, things happen. <laughs> what are you doing on a regular basis, though, to prevent or decrease this risk as much as you can. So my coach actually programs some yoga into my schedule. So I'll do even like 30 minutes of yoga a few times a week. Um, but also have some basic exercises right before I run. And then most evenings I love sitting, watching TV with my husband. It's our good downtime, but I no longer sit and watch TV. I have to be doing my exercises while I'm doing that. So I'll do some of um, my yoga poses then. I'll do 
some, a lot of the knee exercises I have because they're, uh, I found they're great for everything. They're good hip exercises and it just helps, um, keep my legs and feet good. And also foam rolling, uh, at night too. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the biggest thing I wanted to point out is like, yes, you are relaxing watching TV, but you're doing something. I often hear the excuses of like, I don't have time to do this. Like I don't have time at the gym. Like, well, do you have five minutes while watching TV or, you know? Yeah. In fact, I talked to a guy once who was really great. He, um, who was working on me and with foam rolling, he's like, you don't have to take 10, 15 minutes or whatever. He's like two minutes total, three times, four times a day, you know? (laughs) So you just do a quick foam roll multiple times a day and that helps a ton. So, yeah. And the biggest thing is the consistency on it. It's like, if you do it once, it's not going to do anything. If you do it every day or every other day, like that's when you get your, your maintenance or, you know, your actual improved mobility and your puts you in a better state. Yeah. Awesome. Let's talk about the ankle sprain just a little bit. Um, was that an actual injury while racing? Was that something that just happened while training? Yeah, I've had, I've done it twice. Once was um, actually on the TV show. I was on Spartan Ultimate Team Challenge and that was from a, a high jump that just kind of jammed my foot back. And so um, I just kept, you know, kept going because that was a huge competition. There's no <laughs> slow down. Money's on the line. Everybody's watching. <laughs> <laughs> right. But um that's when we that race we got eliminated so I didn't have to do it again but uh that's that lasted a couple weeks. Um wasn't too bad getting it back. Um was pretty swollen and then last summer I was run, trail running um and stepped I think on a rock that just turned my ankle way too much. And there's times I've turned it and caught myself and been fine. But this time it kind of just snapped. In fact, I thought, did I step on a stick? Because that was a loud crack and it sent me just to the ground. And I thought I broke my ankle like crap. What do I do? I'm (laughs) on this hill, you know, a couple miles, like how am I supposed to get down? And I was like, okay, I know you got to move it. You got, let me just see if I can stand. So after rolling on the ground for a while, (laughs) I got up and like, okay, yeah, I can, I can stand on it. And okay, I'm walking. And it was just a slow, painful process getting down the mountain, but I was able to do it. So I called my dad, who's a physical therapist. He's always my go-to, him and my brother. But, um, he, he taped it right away to, cause it was already starting to swell and, um, and then we just iced it a ton and I, I left it like that, like tight and compressed for a couple days. And then we took it off and it was black and blue, but we decided, yeah, it wasn't broken. Just, there wasn't the pain pushing on the bone and different things. So just, just a sprain. So uh, we started with moving it, you know, just therapy right away so that I could get back as quick as I could. Um, you know, I 
did some biking instead or anything I could uh, instead. I think I did some swimming with a buoy even so that I didn't have to because I couldn't kick. Um, but yeah, I did some ice buckets with that where I would put it in the ice for 30 seconds, take it out and do some like an alphabet with my foot, spell the alphabet, and then put it back in the ice for a minute. So I do that a few times. Um, and those things really helped and it eventually got better as well. So <laughs> awesome. Do you do anything currently to just kind of maintain that strength in the ankle or it's really just, now? just yoga, you know, which some of those poses I, I think are great for ankles and so anytime I'm doing yoga and find um, a pose that helps one of those injured, injured places I've had or something that feels not as good, I try to focus on that so that um, I can strengthen that area better. Awesome. I like it. Well, cool. Um, just kind of to close it out, if someone's listening to this, and it kind of is in your situation as far as busy mom, but wants to start getting into OCR stuff. What's kind of some tips you can give them for starting to train um, for it, knowing that they are busy in their day? Yeah. So I think you don't need to take sometimes as much time as you think you need um, because there's a lot to juggle with our lives. And so for me, I wake up early and get it done, kind of sneak out of the house um, while everyone's sleeping some days. And then I'm back. But I have a supportive husband that can help out and, and do that, um, can take over the kids stuff. You know, I tell people as well, there's a time and a place for everything in life. Like there's no way I could do what I'm doing now, like 10 years ago or even five, I mean, little babies and kids, that's hard like to deal with because you're not sleeping. <laughs> um, and I was, I've always done different fitness things. So, you know, they'd take a nap and I'd run and get something done in my basement. I did a lot of home workouts because um, then I was available. And if it got interrupted, it got interrupted, you know, you can only do what you can do or <laughs> you'd run in a jogger, different things. But now it's just priorities. You know what you want to do, you'll make time for. So um, that's why I wake up and get it done first. And that way I have the rest of the day to do what I need to. Um, some people do better at night. So find your time that you want to do it. Um, go hiking. I think time on your feet and hang time from a bar um, are the two biggest things you could do for OCR. And so just depending on your competitive levels and what you can do, um, you'll start with just that and then you can always add more. But I've had um, a professional athlete stay at my house before um, who's a good friend. And I think we were both kind of shocked at each other's schedules, you know, like he's going, how do you live your life? So scheduled like that, you know, cause I'm saying, okay, hey, we got to meet in the kitchen at 
5.45, we'll be at the gym at 6, we've got one hour, we've got to be back home, <laughs> you know, and everything was super scheduled. And he's like, oh no, I need five, six hours at the gym, I need to sleep in, I need, you know, and I'm going, well, I can't, how do you have a life like that? I can't do that. <laughs> so I think everyone needs to realize what you can do yourself and not look at what other people can do um, because it, it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> I couldn't do his training. He couldn't do mine. So <laughs> awesome. I absolutely love that right there. So if anyone has any questions for you, wants to follow your journey, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm most active on Instagram at brookbow underscore one. And um, I'm on Facebook, Brooke Bowen. I'm Twitter, Brooke F. Bowen. So, but I, I don't do as much on those Instagram. <laughs> I'm more active. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Brooke, thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy today, but I appreciate you finding time to talk with me. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Thanks. You're welcome. And that concludes this episode of Highly Functional. I truly appreciate the time you spend to listen to myself and my colleagues share with you how to become highly functional individuals and how to be highly functional individuals. If you learned great information from this, I would love for you to share it with your friends and help them become highly functioning individuals as well. Until next time, go out and be highly functional.